A few months ago, I had the opportunity to sit down with the man who runs the city that I live in, St. Petersburg, Florida. In part two of my series on being a good citizen, I'm sitting down with Mayor Rick Kreisman. I was invited to his office in City Hall to have this conversation and full disclosure, I am a novice podcaster and wasn't fully prepared for all of the ambient sounds that you will hear in this recording. The AC was on, buses and trucks passed by, he hit the table a few times, I tried my best to edit, however, it didn't work. So forgive me on all of the things that you will hear. The conversation is great, however, whether you live in St. Pete or not, you will hear from an executive of a city describing his challenges, what he loves, what he has learned, and how he manages. This conversation was such an honor to be a part of, and I couldn't wait to get it into your hands. Hey, listen, this is the season finale of the Altitude Collective podcast. We've been on 14 episodes of incredibly deep and elevated conversations. That's what this has always been about, getting a glimpse into the lives of others and what happens when we slow down and invite others into conversation. I've always wanted to do a podcast show, and as we come to the finale of this first season, I could not be more proud. The Altitude Collective podcast gained a following, saw a huge uh, increase in listen numbers as the season went on, got a sponsorship, and moved the needle forward in so many aspects of civility and discourse. Thanks so much for being a part of that. The show does return next summer. Yep, June 2019. But until then, and after this episode, please email me your thoughts on the show. You can email me at miko at mikoseymour.com. That's M-E-I-K-O at M-E-I-K-O-S-E-Y-M-O-U-R.com. Also share the show with your people. Let them know what your favorite episode was. Okay, let's get into the season finale of the Altitude Collective podcast. Here is my conversation with St. Pete Mayor Rick Kreisman. All right, everybody, welcome to the Altitude Collective conversational piece. I am at St. Petersburg City Hall with the mayor, Mayor Kreisman. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, it's great to be with you. Man, I am I am pumped, honestly, <laughs> to do this. Um, when, when we were talking about the guests that we would have on the podcast this season, um, I, I kind of went through the list and with, with some friends and I had a friend pop up and he said, I think you can get Kreisman on here. And I said, mm, I mean, the man is pretty busy. He's a mayor, you know, I don't know if I can get him. And so I reached out uh, to Ben here and uh, it was like dream come true for me. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. I'm honored. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about who you are. Um, talk to me about your family really quick, kind of your upbringing, just to give some context. Uh, so, uh, born in Detroit, Michigan, uh-huh. um, family moved uh, to St. Petersburg uh, for business for my father uh, in 1972. I was nine years old at the time and uh, ended up uh, going to Pasadena Elementary, finished elementary school there, then Azalea Middle School and, and Bogusiega High School, or as it's now known, the Bogusiega High yeah. School. Um, then went off to the University of Florida for uh, undergrad, where um, received my degree in 
uh, communications, but specifically in broadcasting. One of the things that people are always surprised to hear is that I used to, at one time, briefly, I worked at a radio station as an on-air disc jockey. Okay. Um, <laughs> what I, kind of music? Uh, it was a rock station, okay. Rock 104. All right. Um, uh, WRUFFM Gainesville. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, after, after that, d- decided, you know, uh, I don't think I want to work nights, weekends, holidays, and move every year. Uh, so I went to law school um, at the Stetson University College of Law and uh, graduated and, and started practicing law. Um, worked at a number of different firms before ultimately opening my own firm uh, and having that firm for uh, about 13 years before um, getting elected to the state house and deciding I couldn't really uh, go to Tallahassee, spend several months there and still serve my clients well. So. Um, Married uh, my best friend, uh, my wife Carrie, and we uh, just celebrated our 25th anniversary That's last amazing. year. Congratulations! Uh, she's awesome. She puts up with me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, puts up with this life, sure. which is a lot. It's, sure. I think being in politics is much harder on uh, your your spouse or partner and your family than it is on uh, the actual uh, elected official themselves. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> and. Um, have been blessed with two kids. Yeah. My daughter Jordan is uh, going to be turning 21 this year. Okay. She just finished her second year at the University of Florida. And my son Samuel's 15, and he just finished his freshman year at St. Pete High in the IB program. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And <clears throat> so these these guys, these two kids, have grown up with uh, this life with me in politics. My son has never known me not being. Yeah. In fact. Uh, I remember when I was sworn in, he was a baby, when I was sworn in for city council in Columbia, uh, and he was a baby, and so, uh, in fact, as, as I'm taking my oath, he's, he was uh, in my arms crying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably because he knew it was coming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. So, um, you know, I've, I've uh, lived uh, in the west side of town okay. um, for most of my life, and my wife grew up kind of on the east side of town. Um, and uh, we are a uh, interfaith couple, okay. uh, which again is something that a lot of folks don't know. I'm, I'm Jewish. My wife is Catholic, um, and um, so we 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 go to the temple and we go to church. Oh wow! Okay. Um, and um, it's I think for our kids it's been great because they've been exposed to uh, you know more than one religion. Yeah. Have had an opportunity to learn about both. Yeah. Uh, I think have a good respect for for both. Yeah. Um, they've been raised Jewish, but um, they certainly understand mom's beliefs, and um, I think that's been kind of cool, actually. And we have a, um, I think the, the other thing that, I don't know how many people know about us, uh, but we are volunteer puppy raisers for Southeastern Guide Dogs. Okay. Started as a service project for my daughter when she was getting bat mitzvah uh-huh. uh, to be a puppy raiser. Uh-huh. Uh, and we are now on our 10th uh, puppy. Wow. Uh, we have Jake, who is uh, eight months old. Yeah. He's a black lab. Yeah. And hopefully, um, he will go on to become someone's eyes. Uh, uh, sure. Someone who's visually impaired. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So, my wife and I moved here about three years ago to St. Petersburg from Georgia. Okay. I grew up in Orlando. Okay. St. Pete is 
probably the best place I've I've ever lived. Um, I I love this city. I'm I'm a little obsessed with this city. Most people <laughs> would say. How would you describe St. Petersburg? St. Pete's changed. Um, I mean, I, I, I truthfully, when I was growing up, I, I didn't know that I if I would stay mm-hmm. uh, because. There wasn't a lot happening. Yeah. There were there were not a lot of places to go eat. There wasn't things to do. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and uh, I, I just didn't I didn't know whether I would stay here. And it's changed so much. I mean, I think I would describe the city as it's it's a progressive city. Uh, although I do joke and say that it's the most progressive city I know that doesn't like change. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, but it is a progressive community. It is a, what, what I think really makes this city the most unusual or different from so many other places I've visited is uh, the people of this community love this city in, in a way that I, I, you don't always see in other cities. I mean, I, I, <clears throat> I talk about this a lot, how you can go to visit other communities and you see people walking around with the name of the city on their shirt. They're typically tourists in St. Pete. They're the residents. Right. That's <clears throat> and, right. And um, what I love that I hear people say about us that are visiting is how friendly everybody is, how welcoming everybody is. It's a very inclusive community. It's a very collaborative community. It's a very welcoming and diverse and tolerant community. And, you know, granted, we have a history where that hasn't been the way we always have been and we still have room to grow in those areas but um we are more tolerant more welcoming more diverse uh than most other cities i've ever been to and i think it's what it's the people of the city that set this place apart more than anything yeah yeah now did you growing up did you always want to be in public service? No. What was the no. what was the dream job when you were growing up? Yeah, you know, so many people um, you know, talk about, oh, I always wanted to I you know, growing up from the day I was I can remember, I always wanted to be mayor. I always wanted to yeah. you know, be a, a senator or a congressman or something. That was not me. Uh, I, politics was not something I ever uh, growing up uh, was was necessarily interested in. Um, you know, I I, uh, I always loved music. I loved, I, I guess something else that people didn't know about me or unless you've been around a long, long time is I, I uh, when I was younger, I was a ventriloquist um, and used to perform at, at birthday parties. I was on several TV shows performing. So I always wondered whether I'd be a comedian or a performer or an actor or something. Sure. Um, yeah, and then as I grew older, I started, you know, getting more interested in law. But it really was a high school friend that got me involved in politics okay. when uh, it was 1986. I was still in law school. He uh, approached me and said, "I'm thinking about running for the state house." Uh, he, he was 24. I was, I think, 23 at the time. And By the way, I was three. <laughs> thank you for making me feel old. Um, and he said, he said I'm, I'm thinking of running. Uh, I'd like you to be my campaign manager. And I said, well, I've never done that. And he said, well, I have never run before, so we'll be great. Um, and so we, we ran this campaign against someone who had been in office for seven terms, was actually 50 years older than him. Uh, and like a lot of first-time candidates, we lost. 
Um, two years later, he decided to run again. At this point in time, I had graduated from law school, was working at a firm, and I really couldn't spend the same amount of time. And so I couldn't manage his campaign, which probably for him was better. Uh, but I was involved, and he ended up winning. Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of what got me a little bit more interested in paying a little more attention right. to politics. And uh, I still never thought I'd run for office, but uh, between him and some other friends that I had made because of his being involved in politics and in, in an organization that was formed called the uh, Tampa Bay Democratic Leadership Council, I was one of the founding board members. Uh, I ended up running in 1999 for city council, and again, like a lot of first-time candidates, did not win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, was that a um, was that a hard thing to swallow, not winning, or oh, did yeah, you anticipate? I mean, no, it's, I mean, I don't, I don't know anybody that that, that likes losing. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you, you really you see uh, when someone runs for office, how they how they respond if they lose. Is, I think in some ways is telling yeah. is to really where their heart is. You know, some people just fade away. That's it. You never hear from them again. Yeah. Um, you know, I I didn't want to be one of those people. So uh, I, I applied for and was appointed to the city's nuisance abatement board and, uh, and served on that. And then um, the gentleman I ran against decided to uh, run for state house. Okay. Uh, ironically, Term limits had come into place, and my friend, who I had run his campaign, uh, ended up having to leave office because he was termed out, so his seat opened. So the council member I ran against ran for that seat. And when you do that, you have to resign your your, your council position, and so uh, the, the city council appointed me to fill that position. That's and so, yeah, I didn't want to go away. I, said, I wanted to stay involved in, sure. in the city and potentially run again, and then I got a, appointed. And then ran uh, several months later for the balance of his term. Yeah. So fast forward, your mayor, first term yep. uh, in St. Petersburg. Um, what was the most challenging thing that maybe you encountered in your first term, or maybe even something that surprised you in your first term? Well, we certainly had a lot of big issues okay. that we kind of inherited. Okay. Um, you know, there was the, the whole issue with the Rays was still floating out there. What was going to happen with the team? They wanted to look. The city wasn't agreeing with them. And so, you know, I came in knowing that was an issue that had to be resolved. Then we had the issue with the pier. You know, they had gone through the process. A, a design was selected. A petition was started to, to, to break that contract. That petition passed. Vote of the, through referendum. Contract was broken. Uh, we were stuck with uh, you know no design and a pier that needed to be rebuilt, and so I kind of inherited that. Then you had um, a police chief who retired, and so I had to select a new police chief. And you know the city had a history of issues with our police department in the community, with the police department and race, and so you know all that was bubbling. And, and, you know, I believe that the, the decision as to who was going to be my police chief was, um, without question, I think the, the most important decision as a mayor that you can make yeah. because it really sets the tone for what your community is going to be like. Right. You continue, you're going to continue to have issues between the community and the police department. We look around the country and, and see where, when there's not good relations, 
there's problems in the community. And so that was a huge issue. And then issues of poverty, you know, and a disenfranchisement between the African-American community and the city. And, you know, Central Avenue kind of being this dividing line and, and how do we change things in South St. Pete, start creating opportunity and, you know, in a city where everyone has that opportunity. And so those to me were some of the really big issues um, that, that, you know, coming into office that we, that we knew we were going to need to take on. In addition to a lot of city staffers who were aging uh, uh, and we knew we were going to re be retiring. Okay. Um, and there really wasn't a plan in place for, um, you know, for, for who was going to take their place. Yeah. Um, and so internally, we, there were things that, that I knew we were going to need to put in place. Um, we obviously didn't know when I came in, quite frankly, I had no idea the condition of our infrastructure and that it was in the condition that it was in, that it, so much was going to need to be done. Yeah. I mean, clearly, the first couple of years of when we had those the massive rains, uh, you know, peeled back the, the shroud on the condition of our sewer system and our stormwater system. But we're still finding, you know, other city facilities from seawalls to bridges to buildings that, you know, band-aids were done and real money wasn't spent to get them where they need to be. And you can't ignore your infrastructure. And unfortunately, this city, like a lot of cities around the country, you know, spent money on the fun things. And those are important too. Don't get me wrong, you know, like libraries and rec centers. But you can't just focus solely on those. It's got to be balanced. And you know, those are the things that we've that, we're, that we've had to deal with. Yeah. And are still dealing with. Yeah. Now, in that first term, how did and 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 thinking about all of those challenges and, and the things that you didn't know, you know, entering the office, um, how did you grow as a man during during those years? Well, you know, I think you um, first off, my leadership style has always been. I'm not a micromanager. Okay. <clears throat> um, I, I, I think that's dangerous to be a micromanager because, um, first off, you only have so much bandwidth. Uh, and secondly, when you're gone, what's left in your wake? Yeah. You know, you've got a lot of folks who haven't been empowered to do their job and all of a sudden, you know, they're being told to do it and they haven't had to do it or known how to do it or been empowered to do it and that creates problems. <clears throat> um, I've always tried to surround myself with the best and brightest of people who I always say are smarter than me um, and empower them to do their job and give them the room to do their job. That doesn't mean I'm ignoring what they're doing and I don't want to be kept informed, uh, but if I don't trust them to do their job, then they shouldn't be in that position. You know, and, and quite frankly, we've had to make some changes. There have been some who have retired um, and, and those retirements have actually been good for the organization. There have been some that I've had to let go because they haven't fit our philosophy of how we want to see the city run now. Um, they had a different philosophy that didn't mesh. And if we're not on the same page, we're not going to get where we're trying to go. Um, and so those are, you know, those are some of the things that we've, we've looked at, we've had to look at is, you know, and, yeah, going back to an, an earlier question, what's one of the more difficult things? Think managing personnel. We have three thousand employees in the city. Yeah, you know, and that's a lot of 
different ways of doing things. It's a lot of egos. Yeah. It's a lot of personalities yeah. and trying to manage that. And uh, it, it has been um, challenging at times. Sure, sure. Now, from the citizen's perspective, this last mayoral race, you know, for the second term, um, seemed to be a real hard one. Yeah. Um, seemed to be very uh, contentious. Uh, what What were you up against in your in your opinion? What really were you fighting against during that time? You know, it, it, it it's a shame because, and I hope it hasn't created a standard for future campaigns because. Uh, it was far uglier than I would like to have seen. It was certainly a lot more expensive. And, you know, I hate, I wish we had publicly financed campaigns because I hate the fact that so much money had to be raised. Money which could have gone to create programs to work with our kids, uh, for nonprofits that are trying to, you know, make a difference in our community. Um, and unfortunately, instead it went, you know, into a, into a campaigns, which is which is a shame. Um, you know, I, I I think it was you saw two two very different philosophies and candidates. Um, you know, I, I felt like um, you know uh, Rick's coming back and really talking about the past and what he had done in the past and wanting to do those same things wasn't going to leave us, lead us into the future. Yep. You know, you can't always go back. Um, and, you know, and nor should you want to. You know, there are, that doesn't mean you don't pay attention to your history. And that's actually part of our vision state. statement is honoring our past as we pursue our future. You have to learn from the past, but you can't live in the past. And um, I think that's what the voters really had a clear choice of is, you know, do we want to go back to the way things were, or do we want to move forward and continue trying to move the city forward? And you know, I feel fortunate that that was the direction that that I felt we needed to go, and the voters apparently, or at least enough of them, agreed with that. And how did how do you feel the our mayoral race uh, played into the national conversation of what was going on that year? Well, certainly, you know, I've been pretty outspoken, um, and I always have been in my career. Uh, you know, if I think something's wrong, I'm going to speak out again about it. And you know, uh, uh, Mr. Baker a lot of times talked about how you know what's happening on the national scene. We shouldn't pay so much attention to it, and and I disagree with that because what happens nationally, what happens in our state capital, impacts everything that happens here every day. You know, and so. I was concerned, and I still am, uh, that we had a candidate for president, ultimately president, um, who was using some rhetoric and saying some things which, and creating a climate that I thought wasn't healthy, or certainly not for our city, but not for our country, you know, uh, of intolerance and, uh, and at times outright hate. Um, and I didn't, I, that's not who we are as a country, and it certainly isn't who we are as a city. Uh, and so I was vocal about it, and I spoke out about it, and you know, I got criticized for you know, bringing um, national politics into it, but I don't think you can, um, you can separate, um, because it does impact us. You know, and 
And I'm going to continue to speak out. If I see things that I think are wrong, I'm going to continue to speak out about it. Now, famously, you uh, basically said that the president, President Trump, wouldn't be invited to be here or to come to St. Pete. Yes. Uh, do the, you regret that statement? Or? The tweet heard around the world, yeah. as some called it. Yeah. Um, I don't. Okay. Um, you know, it was it was meant to be tongue in cheek. Sure. I, you know, I know I can't ban anyone from right. from coming to St. Pete. Right. But I felt like when he made the statement that he wanted to ban all Muslims, uh, I thought that was dangerous. Uh, I didn't think it represented our values as a country, and I thought it was outrageous. And so. I thought I would make, you know, I'm going to demonstrate how outrageous that is by making an equally outrageous statement. And I and and I worded it very carefully by saying, you know, I'm hereby banning Donald Trump uh, from St. Pete until we can determine the danger posed by all Trumps. Yeah, that's the, that that to me was the signal. Look, I'm not serious about this, but this is ridiculous what yeah. he's saying. Yeah. And equally, I'm going to say something equally ridiculous yeah. to call attention to that. Yeah. Um, the response was way beyond anything I would have ever imagined. I think it was viewed more than a million times. It trended on, on um, you know, Facebook and Instagram and, and, and all those sites. It was retweeted, I think, more than 22,000 times. Um, and some of the responses that we received after that uh, were pretty scary. Oh, okay. um, I had security. Uh, outside my house for a week uh, because some of the supporters of his made some threatening comments. I think the worst thing that I saw, and my staff really kept a lot of it from me, but the two worst things was somebody had put a yellow Jewish star on my forehead, uh, the same style yellow Jewish star that uh, Jews had to wear um, during the Nazi regime. And then someone else had superimposed my face on an Auschwitz uh, concentration camp survivor uh, in full concentration camp uniform and said, you and your tribe are the real problem. Um, that's, that was sad. Uh, and, and it, um, you know, when you see that, uh, you, you, it, it makes you question, you know, not what I said, but the people who are supporting this man and what he is encouraging. And so, no, I don't regret um, the tweet. Um, I hope it did raise people's attentions. Unfortunately, uh, you know, the results of that election didn't didn't go the way I would have liked to have seen them go because you know, we, we have uh, President Trump now and he continues to, to say things that boggle my mind. Sure. Sure. Now let's turn our attention to the south side of the city. Mm -hmm. uh, many on the south side would say that um, they feel like they they are left out of the conversation here at City Hall, and you know St. Pete is experiencing a lot of change. Um, and, and, and again, I've been here for only three years, and there has been a lot of change. Even I think I saw a report today uh, about you know. The city's growing rapidly, businesses are coming in, and so we want to try to keep, you know, St. Pete local, that kind of thing. But as it pertains to the South Side, mm -hmm. why do you think there is that general feeling that they are being left out of the conversation? Well, I mean, I think you, you have a, uh, the city has a history 
uh, of a division between, you know, and I've talked about Central Avenue being that dividing line yeah. between the, the, the north side of town, the south side of town. Um, we have really, starting with, you know, taking a discussion about creating a CRA and expanding that CRA's boundaries to basically be almost all of South St. Pete. Um, and, and then working with our partners in the county commission uh, to invest the funds that are created by that CRA in a way that's different than historically they've ever been invested and then taking it a step further and partnering with so many organizations in the city from 2020 and they have been just a remarkable partner with us and the Urban League and Pinellas Opportunity Council you know and you can go down the line in faith-based uh, organizations uh, to work together to try and make real systemic sustainable change in South St. Pete. Um, you know, it, it's, I think you, you, you have some that feel probably the way they do because change hasn't happened quick enough. Um, you know, it has, and quite frankly, it hasn't happened quick enough for us as, as fast as I would like it to. Yeah. But it has taken us, and it took the city years to get to where it was and we're not gonna fix it overnight. It's going to take time. It's like, uh, I analogize it to a big tanker that you can't turn that on a dime. You have to start changing its direction and it will turn if you continue, you know, turning the rudder on it, uh, but it does take time. Our city is kind of like that tanker. We are trying to turn that rudder and change the direction for, uh, uh, and the trajectory of, of those living in South St. Pete. We're seeing indicators that are telling us the things that we're doing as a community and, and working together on are making a difference. We're starting to see it. Uh, but, you know, again, it's. It, I wish it would happen quicker. Yeah. You know, I, I look at Skyway Marina District, for example, you know, 34th Street from 30th to 54th, you know, and we've had some projects and some investments that are happening there. We want more. You know, I want folks who are living in South St. Pete to have more options and opportunities. You know, we're seeing some positive indicators on 22nd Street and the Deuces and the Warehouse Arts District. And, you know, you look at the Manhattan Casino and goodness, if you haven't eaten at Calhoun, you gotta go there. Uh, best brunch in town. I mean, it's it's amazing there and what's gonna happen across the street. You know, I'm, I'm excited about the opportunities and possibilities for Tangerine Plaza, yeah. um, you know. Uh, but we want to, again, we would rather take our time and get it right and do things that are going to be sustainable than rush something in there, you know, subsidize it artificially, and then two or three years have that business or that entity gone and have to be starting over again. Right. It's happened too much for this community. They deserve better. Yeah. Now, in, in the conversation about the South Side, let's talk about race relations. Mm-hmm. You've, you've kind of um, brought this up a little bit earlier. During the campaign, your deputy mayor found herself being treated uh, kind of negatively in a local clothing boutique store. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I mean, just reading through the Facebook comments, you could tell the divide that was kind of going on uh, during that time. Um, kind of based on her her response and then also the response from the store and then recently uh, on Martin Luther King Jr. Day uh, the celebrations here in the city on the south side um, 
turned into kind of a, a big, I would assume a big PR nightmare uh, because a lot of the citizens down there felt like they were being over-policed. Uh, talk to me about those two instances and how you felt during that time and, and what the city, what, what the city's response is to that. Yeah. So, you know, the city has a long history of, of issues with race relations. Obviously, in the 90s, we had the, the riots. Yep. Um, and I think we've made progress. Um, we still have a ways to go, clearly. Um, you know, and it's not just in the city, it's in this country. Uh, in fact, you know, again, I worry a little bit about um, more so outside of the city and in the country seeing race relations and hatred and bigotry uh, ramping up and you know and I think it does start at the top with that with the administration of Washington seemingly making it okay to say some things that are awful um, it's not okay here you know I think when you talk about the incident that happened with my deputy mayor I think what was the most disappointing for me was that this is this is a woman who uh, you know her entire life uh, has been respected uh, has given her her life to this community and done things in this community to make a difference and when she talks about how she felt she was treated uh, and then they talked to this store clerk who I think was like 18 uh, and no one else was there other than the store clerk, my deputy mayor, and her cousin. People, uh, because they didn't want to accept that maybe there were still issues, right. accepted the, the word of this 18-year-old over the word of somebody who's, whose life has been dedicated to this community. That, that really bothered me, uh, that people would so quickly disregard what my deputy mayor said. And it, you know, it, it was really insulting to her, uh, but I think it was emblematic of the fact that we have a ways to go still. Yeah. Now you talk about MLK, um, you know, the city had had, even before I became mayor, had had a history of issues on MLK Day, after the, the, the party after the parade. Uh, and I observed some of it when I was campaigning the first time for mayor and saw things that I thought, I'm sorry, but I can't imagine that Martin Luther King would like seeing this stuff happening in, in the community, would, that he would say, this is an appropriate way of honoring me, you know, by openly smoking pot on streets or, you know, um, some of the other things that were going on, including violence and shootings um, and fights. And so I think after years of hearing the community tell us and tell the police department and businesses saying, you know, people can't come here because of all the revelry that's going on and it's not organized. Um, it, you know, it, there was an attempt that the police made to try and better uh, control what, you know, how people were having fun afterwards. You know, one of the things that was, was done is there was a, the party after the parade that was to take place in the Tropicana field site. The whole idea for that was let's do it in a place that's safe so people aren't walking across the street right. while cars are going down and you know somebody's gonna get gonna get hit. Right. We don't want to see that. The the irony is no one was shot this time. No one was arrested this time. There was less violence this time. 
uh, and there were actually less police. Uh, but the feeling was there was more of a presence because they were more visible, and they did, granted, and, and the chief acknowledged it himself, um, some of the ways they were visible could have been done differently. And so he has met with the community and he is going to respond for this year's parade to what he heard in feedback from the community, you know, and um, that's, that's all we can do is, is, is try and respond to what we hear from the community. On the one hand, they tried last year uh, and responded and, and the community pushed back and said, well, we want you to do something, but not that way. Yeah. And so he's going to try it again differently next year. You know, it, it's one of the things that we stress a lot here in City Hall to all of our employees is, um, you know, if it's not working, try something else. Don't be afraid to try something else. Now, if it doesn't work, let's learn from it and try and do it differently. Uh, you know, but... Uh, you know, that's the way you, you grow. That's the way you make progress is not by doing things the same way over and over again and expecting a different result, but by trying things that are new and different and better, hopefully, and hoping that that makes an improvement. Yeah. And, you know, I, I want to say when I talk to friends around the country, I talk about St. Pete Police and honestly, our, our guys are just and gals are just fantastic, you know, and we, on the South Side, uh, where we kind of hang out, um, the relationships that are being built with these guys and gals are just, it, it's just phenomenal. And I, I really do feel like there's just a different sense of uh, community with them and their partnership with us. Uh, you know, I, I've lived in Atlanta, I've lived in uh, Columbus, Georgia, I've lived in Orlando, Florida, Miami, Florida, and I've not had that sense of I'm okay with police officers being around like I am here in yeah. St. Pete. It, it's, it has been a long road yeah. to get to where we're at today. I give a um, huge credit to Chief Anthony Holloway. Um, because, you know, he came in when, when I hired him and he said, we are going to change this department, you know, and the, the way the community and the department have interacted in the past is not acceptable. I'm not willing to see it continue that way. And so from things like park, walk and talk, recognizing that we have to have our officers in the community, not just when things are bad. Uh, but to start building those relationships. I mean, one of my favorite uh, things that I, that I have seen is being in an event and seeing an officer and they have a child that they're walking around with in their arms, uh, and in particular when it's a child of color. Um, you know, and seeing that relationship being built and so that young child sees that this person is not my enemy, uh, that this is somebody I can have a relationship with. Yeah. Um, I think the chief has tried to instill in his men and women that work for him that if they expect the community to respect them, they have to respect the community. Um, it doesn't work if you don't have it going both ways. Yeah. Um, and so it's something that we're seeing. Uh, and he is not willing to put up with those in the department who don't see it that way. Yeah. If, if, you know, and he's, he's made the decisions as far as who he's promoted. He's, and who stays in the, on the department and he's gotten rid of people that don't share that philosophy because that's not the department that he wants to see this city have. And, and we've seen as a result of that, 
I agree with you. I think the relationship is the best it's ever been. We have, for the first time ever, we are at full strength which has never happened. People are now coming to our department from other departments. That never used to happen because the morale was better. Um, you know, the police don't feel like this, the community views them as the enemy. I mean, can you imagine working in an environment where when you're, when you're out, you, you, the people around you, you wonder if they hate you? I mean, that's, and, and that doesn't happen anymore. Um, and so I'm, I'm thrilled to see where things are at right now. Um, we're going to be ever vigilant about it because we know that if we get complacent and too comfortable, um, it could slide back. And he doesn't want to see that happen. I certainly don't want to see that happen. And I don't think, and I know the community doesn't either. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about some fun things, okay? Real quick. Uh, you've been known to sing karaoke <laughs> here and there. Oh, that's and, scary. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and grabbing a few drinks around town. What are some of your favorite spots in the city? You know, we those are always dangerous questions because you, <laughs> you when you single one out over others. Yeah. We are we are lucky in this city. I mean, it's one of the cool things about this city is, first off, we have amazing craft breweries. Mm -hmm. uh, all of them are different, um, but all of them are really good. I mean, uh, the beer that's being produced in this city is is remarkably good. Um, you know, and so I, it, it's for me, it's been fun uh, getting to go to and visit all the different ones. And, and ironically, I was never growing up, never uh, in college and after college, a big beer drinker. But it's so good here uh, that I really have grown to enjoy our craft breweries. Um, there's some really cool little local places. Um, and, I, and I probably, again, I, I always hesitate naming places but you know um uh, hawthorne bottle club is a bottle shop is really cool on, on central Avenue. um you know and it used to be historically was on beach and you might see stuff up to second third maybe fourth but now you go down central avenue all the way to 31st street you know and you know uh where punky's kind of anchors it um great great places uh, that are all up and down and now again on 22nd and MLK is starting to have some really cool places um, yeah. that are all local and um, yeah it's a if you like to eat or you like to drink um, you know wine or beer um, great places and, yeah uh, and restaurants that you know even aside from the food have great uh, craft cocktails you know really cool what about beaches? Favorite favorite beach? Um, probably Fort DeSoto. Okay. Um, but you know, I mean, we our whole area in Pinellas County typically gets written up all around the, the world as yeah. some of the best beaches. And you know, Fort DeSoto is often ranks at the top. Um, you know, my 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 friend uh, and mayor of Clearwater uh, Clearwater Beach, George Creticus loves to talk about how Clearwater Beach is, you know, one of the, is consistently rated one of the best. Um, you know, we are, we are really fortunate to have great choices, again, of, of, of beaches that we can go to. And of course, you know, we don't have beaches in St. Pete that are directly on the Gulf, right. but, you know, um, as part of our peer district, Spa Beach is, is gonna be enhanced. 
uh, and we'll give people a, a great option. Uh, and then uh, out in Gandhi and you know, yeah. the old historic Gandhi Beach, as yeah. it's known. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. Okay, favorite candy? Uh, probably uh, any, well, anything with chocolate, I love them. Okay. But Snickers. Snickers, okay. Uh, Snickers are great. Now, do you prefer the entire bar or just the, the minis? I go for the minis only because um, I don't feel as bad eating one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like I was, I was joking with my friend Leslie over at Soiree. You know, they have the mini cupcakes. And um, between them and, and the mini donut shop, uh, you know, you, you eat one of those and you don't feel bad uh, eating it because it's small. And it's yeah. like, okay, I can eat one or two of these and it's it's not going to kill me. Right, right, um, right. And, and they're so bloody good. Now, how does the deputy mayor feel about this? You know, we're trying to... How uh, healthy St. Pete. Pete. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we uh, being a healthy city is very important. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think with a, any good diet even that you're on, uh, you are allowed to splurge every so often. Sure. It's always a matter of um, proportion, okay. you know, and uh, so if, if you, you you can eat healthy and still treat yourself uh, on occasion to whether it's a good glass of wine or it's a, a mini donut or a cupcake or, you know. <laughs> there you go. Coffee or tea? Um, I, I love coffee. Okay. Uh, How do you take your coffee? You know, uh, I like to put a little skim milk in it. Okay. Um, I have to, because I know it's not good for you. I need to get away from the sweet and lows and the pinks and get get into more uh, natural. Actually, I, I'd love to get to a point where I'm drinking coffee just with no sugar or anything in it. Not quite there yet. Um, you know, I do like tea on occasion and uh, was just recently in uh, on a, um, a delegation trip to Morocco and uh, Everywhere we went, they served mint tea, uh, which was really wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, we've got some great coffee um, in this community. Yeah. Great coffee shops, yeah, and of course, do. you know some local roasters yeah, who sure. uh, have uh, done very well. Yeah, yeah. So, big question. All right, intermezzo or <laughs> banded coffee. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, great, both of them great coffee shops. I, I tend to, uh, and again, I, you always get in trouble when you answer these kind of questions. Um, I'm, I'm kind of a banded coffee guy. Yeah. Um, those are the folks that own that place. Not, not, this is not meant as a dispersion or negative on the folks that own Intermezzo. I, I just know the folks at Bandit better. Yes. Um, and it's a, it's a place my daughter uh, has, She's the one actually who, who first got me over at Bandit because I was meeting her for coffee and she was there. Oh, I got you. She's like, oh, okay, this place is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can agree though. Both of them oh, both are, just are and amazing. You know, out West St. Pete, you have Craft Cafe, yeah. and place in, in downtown. That's right. They've taken a space that was really underutilized and done something super cool with it. Yeah. Um, okay, so on a personal note, mm-hmm. as we kind of wrap up, when you go to bed at night, you lay your head down. Um, what are the things that you're thinking about? What what maybe keeps you up? Well, most of the time, by the time I get to sleep, I'm so bloody tired uh, <laughs> that I I'm out yeah. in, in uh, pretty quickly. In fact, there there are days when my wife and I might be sitting out in the living room on the couch, and I'm falling asleep on the couch. Yeah. Um, 
so I'm, I'm typically pretty wiped out by the time I get home. And, um, and so, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not kept up often. Um, you know, I will say when it rains, I used to love the rain. I don't love it so much anymore. Um, I hope to be at a place again where I love the rain and I think we're working uh, with the things that we're doing to get all of us at a place where the rain doesn't bother us anymore. We don't worry about the ramifications of it. Um, so that's certainly at, at times has kept me up. Um, but, you know, I, I, um, I've always been a believer that when you do the right thing or you think, you try and do what you think is the right thing. Um, you know, I, 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 I sleep well at night because of it. Um, and, you know, I've always been of the opinion and I've never done things, and this is my 17th year as an elected official. I've never done things to try and get reelected. I've always done what I thought was right, with the philosophy being, if people agree with me, they'll vote for me. If they don't, well, then they don't. Yeah. Um, but you gotta do what you think is the right thing. You gotta stand by your convictions. If, if you're worried about trying to make everybody happy, you're never gonna do anything. You'll never take a position because you're never gonna make everybody happy. Michael Bloomberg once said, if you don't have arrows in your back, you're probably not doing your job. And I think he's right. No one, you're never gonna make everybody happy, but you, you just have to do what you think is the right thing. And that's what I've always tried to do. And so. I sleep pretty well at night because of that. Okay. What's beautiful in your world right now? Um, you know, my, uh, my daughter is home from college for the summer, or at least for part of the summer. Uh, and for anyone who's a parent whose child has gone away to school, or uh, you, know, you know how hard that is, um, you know, I missed her terribly. And so having her home, and having the whole family back together, you know, with my son and my wife and my daughters, uh, I think that's the best thing. Yeah. It's uh, the thing that 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 I that I'm that brings a smile to my face more than anything else is uh, my kids and my and my wife and uh, uh, being able to spend time with them uh, is the best thing that, that I have going. Um, are you obsessed with anything right now? TV show, song, books. Uh, you know, I just I just got done reading uh, the former vice president's book, um, which um, you know is, is about his son and losing his son to cancer. Uh, and uh, I'm an emotional person, and um, you know I go work. I try and get to the gym three times a week, and so I'll be on an, a, the machine, an elliptical machine, and I read while I'm doing that, and. Uh, there's nothing worse than is you're <laughs> on an elliptical machine and you're reading this book and you start getting tears in your eyes. Yeah. Um, you know that that book was, and he's coming here on June 4th. I'm happy, and um, uh, that book moved me. Um, and I, uh, I, my music tastes are so varied. Okay. Uh, you know, I can go from listening to uh, classical to country to R&B to yeah. rock and pop, I, I, I will confess, I, I'm not into rap music as much or hip hop, and and partly it's because I I just have an issue with some of the lyrics okay. uh, and the messages of that music. 
um, in that genre. You know, that's not to say there aren't artists out there who have positive messages, but there are, unfortunately, it feels like more of those artists whose messages aren't sending the right message to our, to our youth and young people. Gotcha. You know, one of the things that I love in country music in particular, oftentimes, and when they're not singing about trucks or, sure. you, know, <laughs> mama, you know, have positive messages. Yeah. You know, and I, I like songs that have where the, where the, the, the writers have, are, they're telling a story. And I look for that in, in, in a lot of music I listen to is what's the story, what's the message that it's telling. Uh, but it's, it's again, I, I can go from, you know, uh, we had a thing yesterday at uh, 2020 for their annual meeting and they asked for old, old school. And uh, well, I did my Whitehead and McFadden's Ain't No Stopping Us Now for my walk-up song. You know, I thought about there's a song by Brick uh, called Happy. Okay. Uh, that that uh, I love. It makes me happy when I hear that song. Yeah. Or uh, Parliament, uh, you know, listening to something, whether it's Flashlight or Tear the Roof Off. No, no, no. Old school <laughs> stuff. I love old school stuff. Awesome. Goes back to my disc jockey days. Awesome, awesome. All right, one final question mm-hmm. uh, before we go. Uh, you've got a minute. You're in front of the entire world. Everyone is listening to you. No one's asleep, no one's at work. Everyone is paying attention to you. What is one thing that you would like to tell the entire world? Be kind. You know, being angry, having hatred, it takes a lot of energy. Uh, I'm amazed when I see people who are always mad at something, or negative, or angry, uh, or demonstrating hatred. I'm amazed at them because that takes a lot of energy. Uh, it's it's a lot less energy being happy, yeah. laughing, yeah. smiling, yeah. being kind. Um, you know, I tell kids when I meet with uh, kids, and that's one of the best things I get to do in this job is meet with kids. And they say, "What's the best thing about being mayor?" I said, "Sometimes I get to be like Santa Claus," and they always look at me like, "Huh?" And I said, "Well, think about it." Santa Claus gives gifts to kids that he knows that makes them happy. And when he does things that make them happy, it makes him feel good. I said, I get to do the same things. I get to do things in this job that change people's lives, hopefully in a positive way, make them happy. And when I do something that I know has made somebody happy, has improved their life, it makes me feel good. And so in that way, I get to be like Santa Claus. And it gives me a lot of positive energy. You know, that's what people say. How do you have the energy to do everything? It's because I feed off the community. I feed off the positive energy that's going on in the city right now. And so kindness, being kind to one another, it's easy to do. It feels good to do it. Doesn't it feel better to feel good than to be angry all the time? So, yeah, if I could say one thing to the world, it's just be kind to one another. I love that. Um, We've got big challenges ahead. Yeah. We have a lot of work still to do in this community. We recognize that that we're not going to solve all the problems during the time that we're in the positions we're in. But if we can move that ship in the right direction so that whoever comes after us can keep it going, then we've done what we need to do to make the city a better place. Well, thank you so much, Mayor Kreisman, for being on the Altitude Collective. This was a pleasure and an honor. 
for me. And I hope those of you that are listening, you got a ton out of this. For those of you that live here in St. Petersburg, I hope you were able to learn a little bit more about your mayor. I'll see you soon.